now we are going to turn our attention to uh, COVID-19 continuing to devastate uh, the nation. There is, of course, a little bit of good news in California. The governor has now uh, lifted uh, the stay at home order, although there are some health officials that are questioning the wisdom of that because uh, COVID is still very, very widespread in uh, California as in other parts of the nation. And then uh, there are the variants. It has now been reported that the variant of COVID-19 from Brazil is now in the United States. There are other variants, one from the UK and one from South Africa as well. And uh, officials, public health people are trying to figure out the impact of the the efficacy of the vaccines and these new variants. And there is some information beginning to emerge uh, from Moderna that their vaccine seems to be uh, effective, uh, they say, in the uh, the UK variant. So there are a lot of things happening um, there. And uh, Joe Biden, President Biden is now saying that in just a, a couple of months, there will be around 600,000 deaths in the United States. I mean, it's really hard uh, to imagine, and I really hope people are not becoming numb to that and realize that these are real people with lives and, and families who love them. Uh, some communities, though, have been hit particularly hard, uh, the black community, Latinx community, and also indigenous lands, indigenous nations have been devastated by COVID-19. Let us go now to a clip from uh, CBS on the devastation in one particular uh, indigenous nation. One of the groups that have been hardest hit by the pandemic has been the Native American community. Joining me now is Chief Chuck Hoskin, Jr. He is the principal chief of the Cherokee Nation. Thank you very much for joining us, Chief Hoskin. Native Americans are dying at an exponentially higher rate than the rest of the country. What toll is the coronavirus pandemic having on the preservation of Native American culture as a whole? Well, it's taking a great toll on our nation. And when we think about what's most precious uh, in the Cherokee Nation in any time, it's our elders. And when we look at our elder population, that's by and large who our fluent speakers are. Uh, we're a, a large Indian nation, 385,000 citizens. We only have about 2,000 fluent speakers left. And if we lose our language, we lose really something very special in what it means to be Cherokee. And so we've lost at this point nearly 40 fluent speakers. Uh, that means we've lost something that's a national treasure. And so that number alone is jarring to me as chief of the Cherokee Nation. All righty. So let's welcome our guest, uh, Ethel Branch. Let's welcome her back. She is the former attorney general for the Navajo Nation. She is the founder of the Navajo and Hopi Families COVID-19 Relief Fund. Uh, Ethel Branch, welcome back. Thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Now, Ethel, um, we heard uh, from the chief there of the uh, Cherokee Nation, of course, your nation, your um, uh, the Navajo Nation, but I'd like you to get your response on what he was saying. Are you finding similar issues in the Cherokee Nation that uh, he described? 
the Navajo Nation that he described happening with the Cherokee Nation? Ethel. Um, yeah, yes, definitely, absolutely. Um, and what he mentioned in terms of our elders is really what inspired um, me to form this organization along with a number of other really amazing women in our community, um, and that's the vulnerability of our elders. Um, and, you know, on January 12th, the New York Times reported that on Navajo Nation, 565 of our 869 deaths at that, at that time we're among people 60 and older. Um, and so, you know, our elders are particularly vulnerable. You know, many of them, um, in addition to being elderly, also have underlying health conditions. Um, and really, um, you know, that, that article pointed out that the pandemic devastated the ranks of our Hatasli, um, that's our traditional medicine men and women. Um, and so, it, you know, when, when the dust settles from COVID-19 uh, on the Navajo Nation, um, you know, I, I'm very concerned for what that means for um, impacts to our culture and, and who we are as Native people, as Navajo people. Um, I mean, really, that is, that is defined by our language um, because our language gives us access to um, spirituality. That you can't have these prayers and this healing done in a language other than Navajo. Um, and, you know, some of these concepts that are articulated in these prayers and songs can't even be accessed uh, without that language connection. And, you know, we have, we have the standard Navajo that we speak today, and then we have um, an old Navajo that only our medicine people speak. And so to be losing them at such a high rate uh, is incredibly alarming from a spiritual and cultural um, perspective here at Navajo Nation. Um, and just personally, you know, I I'm I can't really go on social media right now um, because my feed is just so full of people posting about losing a family member, um, you know, fundraising for funerals, and it's just the loss of life in our community right now is overwhelming. Um, and just to give you a sense for the numbers, um, as of yesterday, we've had 27,573 total cases. Um, and our, our domestic population uh, that these numbers are being tracked within um, is about 170 to 180,000. Uh, so the you know the rate of um, of total of case contraction is is higher than 10 percent. Uh, it's approaching 20 percent at this point, um, and it, it is absolutely more than double the U.S. national average. Um, you know, as of early December, one in 10 of our people have been infected with the virus. Um, and since November 11th, I've just been personally tracking the data that the Navajo Nation has been posting on their website. Since November 11th, our, the number of cases in our community have increased by 115%. Um, so it's, it's, it's really staggering. Um, and then as of yesterday, we've had 977 total confirmed deaths. And I tried not to track the deaths because, you know, it's just so, um, such a, a morbid thing. Uh, and I, I tried to focus on positive things. Um, but I did go ahead and start tracking it from November 23rd. Um, and the number of deaths in our community has increased by 65% in the last two months. Um, so, yeah, the, the COVID yeah. continues to be an intractable challenge in our community. 
and and your community and on indigenous lands uh, across um, what is now uh, known or called the United States and uh, looking at what um, the um, Muscogee elders, um, they are speaking out. Uh, The Diné elders are speaking out. They're talking about, uh, for the Muscogee elders in the New York Times is reporting that the grandparents or Mikos who are the traditional people who knew how to prepare the annual ceremonies, how to do the sacred fires, um, uh, you know, all all of that uh, in, in danger right now of, of being lost, some of that knowledge being lost in addition to uh, the language. But the article then goes on to say, and I'm sure this is some of your work, uh, Ethel, about Navajo, um, the Navajo Nation, Navajo women um, starting a campaign helping to deliver uh, meals, sanitizers, uh, checking in on elders, etc. So tell us a, a little bit about that, about what the efforts that you are uh, making um, particularly for the elders, but of course, not only the elders in the Navajo Nation, Ethel. Sure, absolutely. Happy to do that. You know, and I, as I mentioned before, I, I'm a positive person. I try to look on the bright side of everything. And so the things, two things I'm most thankful for right now are the vaccine. We've had access to that basically from day one, and the administration is happening very quickly in our community. Um, and then the second thing is that I'm personally able to do something to help save our people's lives um, because I just don't think I could I could stand by. And so I'm just so thankful that we have so much support from, from donors to be able to do this work. Um, so the core of our work is providing care packages, and care is sort of the interrelatedness, uh, uh, the philosophy of interrelatedness and relation, um, familial relation between our people. Um, and in those care packages, we provide people with two weeks' worth of food, water, and PPE. Uh, and that's provided to, um, we try to focus on elders, immunocompromised, and families, struggling families with children, uh, which, you know, with an unemployment rate of 50 to 60% in our community, most families with children are struggling, unfortunately. Um, but, you know, since inception, we started on March 15th. We've been able to provide these care packages to 67,000 households, um, and that translates into about 252,000 people that we've served, which is more than the combined population of the Navajo and Hopi reservations. And those are the two um, populations that we serve. Um, you know, we've been able to serve all 12 of the Hopi villages at least once, uh, as well as some other Hopi satellite communities. And we've been able to serve 93 of the 110 chapters on Navajo Nation in Arizona, New Mexico, and Utah. And many of those communities have been served multiple times. Um, and so every week we're bringing 100 to $200,000 worth of this food, water, and PPE, and cleaning supplies and other essential items like adult pull-ups, diapers, sanitary napkins, toilet paper, all of which we're including in our care packages. And we typically serve about 10 to 20 Navajo and Hopi communities every week. Um, and then, you know, after um, encountering that initial wave of COVID and experiencing the inaccessibility of PPE, like hand sanitizers and masks, uh, once we gained access to that in early July, we've been working to develop a PPE distribution program. Um, so, you know, at the first week of November, we were able to launch that. Um, and 
with that program, we're just trying to saturate our community with PPE and give everyone the greatest chance of survival, essentially. Um, and with that program, we've been operating for nine weeks now. We've been able to provide about 25,000 individuals uh, on, on Navajo and Hopi um, with these PPE kits, um, with about 3,000 of them. Um, and those kits each contain 50 of the three-ply masks, one container of the 75-count Clorox wipes, which nobody can buy now. So I'm so thankful that we bought those in bulk well in advance of the second wave. Um, and then also an eight-ounce bottle of hand sanitizer. Um, and right. then we and, and Ethel, for, for people who want to um, help with this, because, uh, you know, I mean, uh, it's amazing um, the amount of work that you've done. And, and as you say, working on the positive and, and uh, support for people who are still with us. Um, what could people do to support your efforts? I'd like you to mention that. And then I do have another question. Uh, question in relation to the new Secretary of the Interior. But first, what, how can people support sure. your efforts? Absolutely. Um, well, they can go to our website, um, NavajoHopiSolidarity.org, um, and there's a link to donate to us through GoFundMe. Um, you can just go directly to GoFundMe and search for Navajo and Hopi Families COVID-19 Relief Fund. Um, we have, you know, on that platform, we've raised over $7 million, and we've also spent $6.5 million as of the end of uh, 2020, so the need is certainly ongoing. Um, and then, um, you know, you can also donate directly through our fiscal sponsor if someone wants to write a check or, or wire funds. Uh, but that's the, the best way because we have a supply chain already in place with established um, food suppliers, and then that helps us get things where they need to go in like a semi-truck because we're moving massive amounts of items. But, of course, we're also right. very thankful to receive in-kind donations. We've been able to move over 200,000 sewn masks, um, donated face shields, and other PPE supplies. So we are also very happy to take in-kind donations of either PPE or food. Like we were also really blessed with a donation from Jason Momoa's water company really early on, and that was extremely helpful. So... Um, you know, right. water, food, PPE donations are, are so, so appreciated. Okay, and we'll, we'll post that website information on the Sojourner Truth social media as well. Before you go, Ethel Branch, I think last time we spoke with you, uh, Deb Holland was being considered. We weren't sure yet, uh, from what I could recall. She has now been named by President Biden uh, Secretary of the Interior. Um, as you know, Native lands have been just so under attack, um, the environmental and, and in other ways. And I wanted uh, your thoughts on Deb ha um, Holland as Secretary of the Interior and what you are hoping uh, for, what you're hoping that she would be able to achieve. Ethel. Sure, absolutely. Thank you. Um, well, you know, as MLK said, <laughs> the, the arc of, of of history um, bends towards justice, um, and I feel like the arc is bending quite a bit further um, with Deb being um, named as the nominee for President Biden. Um, you know, first we had a, an assistant secretary who was native, um, and, and now to have this. I mean, it's just really, really phenomenal. Um, I think, you know, this is really um, noteworthy because finally the trustee is one of us, right? Um, and, and that's certainly that was true when she was in Congress as well, but 
um, as Secretary of Interior to have some level of, of um, agency in terms of how policy is implemented with respect to Indian nations. And then also especially to be in that position where, um, you know, decisions are being made about how to continue the legacy of Indian country being a national sacrifice area for this country right. is happening, you know. Um, and so she, she has the opportunity to prevent us from being, you know, utilized in this colonial manner um, and, and has the ability, hopefully, to usher in a new era of Indian policy that will truly empower Indian nations. Uh, you know, we've been under right. this era of Indian self-determination since 1970, and that honestly, that policy has grown stale, uh, and it has never really been meaningful for the Navajo people. You know, our health and, and economic indicators in 1970 were better than they are today, actually. Um, and so, you know, I'm really hoping that Deb can help lead a new, the entrance of a new policy that will actually bring in massive resources that Indian country needs and that has made, like, the absence of which has made us so vulnerable to COVID and also presents, uh, and COVID presents, present, let's just be real about that, COVID presents an existential threat to Indian people. Like, we may not, I don't know how we're going to emerge from this, but it is it is taking out our population, huge swaths of our population. Yeah. Um, and, right. And also, well, Ethel... Right, Ethel Branch, we really, really appreciate uh, your thoughts here. We'll, we'll have you back. We are gonna, we are out of time for this particular uh, segment, but we appreciate uh, your thoughts, and uh, we'll post your website information on our social media. Ethel Branch, um, former Attorney General for the Navajo Nation, founder of the Navajo and Hopi Families COVID-19 Relief Fund. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thank so you, much. Ethel.